tell us what they're reading. Our reading today is taken from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 6, starting from verse 12 to 23, but is found on page 258 of the Church Bibles. I read, And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Eden, and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen of ephod. So David and all the household of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it up in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered a burnt offering and a peace offering before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raising to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house, and David returned to bless his household. But Micah, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today and covering himself today before the eyes of his servant, female servant, as one of the vulgar followers, shamelessly uncovered himself. And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appear, to appoint me as prince over Israel. The people of the Lord and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Micah, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Please keep your Bibles open. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, we're going to be looking at those verses. It might just be helpful to say that after we finish, anyone who wants to ask questions, we're a small enough group, we're friends, uh, we can talk a little bit afterwards, uh, straight after. If there's anything that's not clear, please, please ask. Uh, it's uh, important that we uh, make things as clear as we can. Uh, there's no pictures or anything like that today uh, on the screen. So um, uh, it's just a question of uh, listening 
Uh, so we'll try and uh, do that. Now, let me start by uh, returning to that theme of joy and asking this simple little question, what would you do with all your might? In other words, is there something, if you could give yourself to one thing with all your might, what would it be? Now you might say, that's not a question for normal people. The people who do things with all their might are the real go-getters in life. They are the Richard Bransons of this world who will go at something with everything they've got and make a big success out of it. Or maybe if you're an Olympic athlete, you might do something with all your might and just make sure you get there. Or it may be that you are a high-grade politician and you're going to do something with all your might to become the prime minister of your country. In other words, are they the success story people, the, the ones that do things with all their might? Not fair to ask anyone in Dagnum, what would you do with all your might? Dagnum would probably reply, just survive, I suppose. It takes all my might just to do that. Well... I want to say there is something wonderful that you can do with all your might. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say under three headings. They are probably the corniest headings. I apologize for that. But heading number one is dancing gratitude. Heading number two is dignified grumbling and heading number three is delightful generosity heading number one is dancing gratitude because that's what David is doing in verse 14 he is dancing with all his might before the Lord Let's think about that. Because you're talking about a bloke who's not just a, a sissy bloke who likes going around dancing. We all know uh, people like that. And we don't uh, perhaps uh, move in those circles. But hey, we're talking about a warrior king. David is uh, no softy. If you were in the pub quiz and they asked you one of the questions, what would David do with all his might? If you know this story so far, the obvious answer is he kills Philistines with all his might. But no, in verse 14, he is dancing before the Lord with all his might. And why does he do that? But last week, if you were here, we saw how every six steps in verse 13, he stopped and he realizes he needs a sacrifice to keep him safe before the Lord. And then the next six steps, after he's had that sacrifice, the next six steps, he dances. After all, the ark of the Lord is coming into his city. He and God are going to be like this. They're going to be inseparable from now on. 
God's going to be living with him. And you might think, okay, I know where this is going. Mike's going to say, any minute now, we've got to look at David and make him an example for us to follow. Now, I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is, we're going to look tonight at David's God. Same God. And therefore, we can do the same as David. And looking at David does help us to some extent, because he shows us that being grateful to God is actually a choice. See, David could have put all his might into doing stuff in his city to make it a nicer place. I mean, he did good things in his city, but he could have put all his might into that. But what we see in these verses is that David doesn't put all his stuff, all his might into doing things. He puts all his might he sinks all his joy into understanding how God is so wonderful and good and gracious to him. And so he chooses to spend that day in this kind of joy before the Lord. It is a choice. So you can see he's wearing a linen ephod uh, in verse 14. Now, a linen ephod is, is not royal kit. It tells you that when David got dressed this morning, that morning, he didn't go into his royal wardrobe and come out looking like a king. He wore a linen ephod that tells you he's just looking like a very ordinary poor man. You might remember way back in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that the boy Samuel wore a linen ephod. In other words, he was a nobody and he dressed like a nobody. Um, yeah, I, is there a bucket of water somewhere? Uh, uh, George is going to lose that phone for us. Um, and uh, No, don't ask for it. <laughs> Just throw it away as far, as far away as you can. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you switched it off, well, that's even better. Where were we? Yeah. A little leafod is not what he would wear if he were wanting to impress people. He's just uh, wearing what an ordinary, uh, humble man would wear. And it's deliberate humility in choosing that kind of dress. In other words, that day David is out to impress no one. He is dancing before the Lord. It actually says that twice. It's in front of God that he's doing this, not in front of other people. That's what he is mainly conscious of. And he explains why. And this is where we get to understand what God is like in verse 21. He says, I'm dancing before the Lord because he's the one who chose a nobody like me. And I'm not anyone special. And he gave me the privilege of leading his people. It was before the Lord. He chose me to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. What an amazing thing that God would do that to nobody like me. So he is celebrating the fact that God has taken him from absolutely nowhere and given him his kingdom, his people. And so it's gratitude, 
gratitude, gratitude, because that is what life in front of the Lord is like. And actually, I want to say it's better than that for us. God's done more for us than he did for David. Because I know that you might say, well, David was slightly underclothed. And that means when he danced, he exposed himself to servant girls. He gets in trouble with his wife for doing that. Well, let me tell you that Jesus, when he died on the cross, died naked. He was embarrassingly exposed before the Lord in order that you and I can have his kingdom. That's why he died on the cross, so that this kingdom can be your kingdom. And David in the Old Testament, we've kept on seeing, is a mirror of Jesus in the New Testament. And he does, he shows us what joy before the Lord uh, can be like. And that's why, you see, it's important for us to understand that even though the rain comes and things discourage us and make us really sometimes really bitterly sad because we've been hit really hard by bad things happening, it's really helpful to see that that is not uh, the only uh, thing to focus on. There's a God who has opened up a unique future and when you get into that unique future, let me tell you, the atmosphere that you'll be living in in heaven is an atmosphere of amazing, deep, unending, heartfelt gratitude. Day after day after day, you will be living with heart-bursting joy before the Lord because of his kindness to you. And wonderfully, that will be uh, uh, amazingly felt and uh, experienced. Because he's chosen, you'll be sitting there in heaven and you'll be thinking, God has chosen a nobody in this world to give me this kingdom. So perfect. So eternal. And therefore, being grateful to God because he's a God like that, is something that you and I can be doing with all our might. So that is the first thing I want to say. Dancing gratitude is, uh, is the right way to respond to a God like this. Second thing I want to say is about dignified grumbling, because that's what Mikau does. Now, she's a flashback to the king before David. Every time her name is mentioned, it is, it is said that she is the daughter of Saul, the guy who was the king before. You can see that in verse 16. You can see that in verse 20. And you can see that again in verse 23. Every time her, her name is mentioned, she is the daughter of Saul. And Saul is the guy who wanted people to think a lot about himself. He is the proud man. And here is his daughter. She is the only one of David's wives who's posh, because her dad was a king. She's the only princess that he married. And dignity 
as a regal person gets in the way of her praise. And I think pride is another word for dignity. Gets in the way of her praise. David, as far as she is concerned, is dancing a bit too much. And in the process, the servant girls are seeing a bit too much. What was he thinking? Exposing himself in that kind of way while he danced. That's not what a raw person does. That's not kingly behavior in her books. But that pride in her is really something that is so widespread, we're going to find it in us as well. Because we big up pride in our society, don't we? We want people to look up to us. And uh, Mikau went in for the regal look. And yet, interestingly, you read in the last verse that she had no kids. It's almost like God is humbling the person who was proud so that, never mind being a proud princess, she can't even be a mum, which is what any ordinary woman normally would be, which presumably the servant girls one day would be, and would be therefore higher than Mikau in that area. And I just wonder whether it might help me to tackle my pride if only I could see that God is in the business of blowing up pride like he did with Mikael. Well, Hannah said that he would do that way back at the beginning of 1 Samuel. And uh, that is always true. God always acts against pride and uh, humbles those who are proud. Now, please, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that any woman who can't have children has done something massively wrong and they're proud people and that's the reason why they can't have kids. No way am I saying that. I'm just only saying that in this case, with this woman, it seems to be that link. That she was proud and she couldn't have kids as a part of <coughs> humility in the pride that she, she felt. Whereas... Uh, David, on the other hand, is big into putting himself down. He's wearing the linen ephod. And the reason why he does that in verse 21, is he says, is because actually it's the Lord who raised me up. So in other words, I don't need to raise myself up. I can put myself down. Because God is in the business of raising people up. I'm perfectly happy to leave it to him. So therefore, David says, I can, I can make myself even more contemptible than this. In verse 22. I'll be abased. I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. I'm happy with, 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 with um, going down a peg or two. Because God is the one who will raise me up. And he will make me more um, uh, honorable in the sight of these servants uh, in verse 22. And I think actually the way it worked out, could we put the bottle down please and uh, um, leave it there, um, that actually the, the reality is that David was happy for her to be, for himself to be contemptible because 
God would honor him and he would make him more honorable in the eyes of these servant girls. I think actually when we get to next chapter we'll see why because God is going to make David a promise in, in chapter 7 that he's going to be a king whose family will be on that throne forever. And so when the servant girls hear of a promise like that to God, they're going to say, my word, he is a great king. But when they see, hear a promise like that to David, my word, he is a great king. The servant girls will be, in other words, seeing his greatness. Because God will raise up that idea of David's greatness. He doesn't need to raise himself. Whereas Michal, well, she is sadly dignified and grumbling and I think that song that we sang really does put it very simply doesn't it uh, higher 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 for the person who goes lower 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 that's the way it works you put yourself higher 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 and God will make sure it happens lower 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 and Mikhail's experience tells us that but the third thing I want to say is something about uh, delightful generosity because you can see there's a happy spillover of joy uh, in verses 18 and 19 when David finishes offering he blesses the people and he distributes them both men and women a cake of bread a portion of meat and a cake of resins to each one then all the people departed each to his house there's a great spillover of joy that gets to everybody in verse 19 in other words David realized that he, God hadn't given him a personal happy, happiness pill that would then keep him spaced out on a different planet to everybody else. No. When you see David uh, in verse uh, 19, you're seeing that other people benefit from his joy. So in verse 19, he's giving everybody all that food now, I don't know if that menu appeals to you or not. Um, but let me tell you, in those days, this is one big Christmas dinner. Okay? And it's for everybody. No one is left out. Do you see that? In uh, verse uh, 19, he distributes among all the people. And at the end of verse 19, and a cake of resins, to each one all these things are given. No one is excluded or left out. And the reason why he's doing that is I think because food is a good way of symbolizing in a very practical way to people that God is really good. It's a tangible way of showing people that there is a great God who uh, benefits them in their lives. So he blesses them in verse 18 and then he gives them something to as it were, realize that this blessing of God is something real. So that food, for example, gives you a sense of well-being, doesn't it? It gives you satisfaction. It takes away the worry of what you're going to eat that day. It gives you strength for the different things that you have to do. So food is really a good way of showing people that God is uh, like this. It symbolizes what God's care is like. And David, therefore, wants everybody to realize there's a God like this that he wants them to experience as well. So I'm hoping you begin to see how all that connects with us today. It may be that you're someone either here today or listening to this on the Internet 
And it may be that you're someone who is not fully convinced about God. You haven't seen him yourself and you're not entirely convinced by the way people say, oh, you can find out what God is like by looking at this book. And you say, no, I want to see more than that. But let me ask you, haven't you seen God's people dancing with joy and being delightful in their generosity to other people? <coughs> haven't you seen Christians being like that? In a world where generally people are grumbling. And yet, here are people who are different. Haven't you seen that? Now, that isn't absolute knockdown proof that there is a God, but there is evidence that something powerful has made that difference to the lives of God's people, and they should be like that. And I think it shows us, doesn't it, that the greatest change that the God of the Bible makes to us is not that he causes us to give up things, but that the biggest change that comes to you when you become a Christian is you go from being a grumbling person to being a dancing, grateful person. And therefore, if you are someone who is looking over the fence of Christianity, can I beg you, please, blow up the pride and uh, take in God's greatness instead. And we can help, so get in touch with us and we can talk. What about another group of people, perhaps people who have been to church lots and lots and who know what uh, it's like to uh, not just come to this church but go to others and they know all of this. Isn't that something for us to be really careful about here? Because the church can create meekals, can't it? In other words, we end up thinking we're a cut above the rest. That's what Mikael thought. And so we lead dignified lives that everybody looks up to, but we're not blown away by absolute joy that God is uh, wonderful and glorious. We're not blown away by gratitude. We've lost sight of the fact that of what God has given us is nobody's that we don't deserve, but he has nonetheless put us in his kingdom. Now, my friends, if there's no praise in our lives, I'm hoping this part of the Bible will help you to make a diagnosis. Like a doctor can say, okay, if the symptom is this, I reckon the disease is that. And I'm hoping that you'll begin to see that actually if the, if the disease, if the symptoms are no joy, no gratitude in front of God, then the disease is that there's pride. That's the reason why joy is lacking. We're not blown away by the fact that God has taken a nobody and given us his presence, his kingdom. And we're not uh, bowled away by that. It may be then, thirdly, that we've been humbled by this passage. And this is me. And I think that it can strike us, can't we, that actually we're not that grateful. 
and we become aware of David being like this and we're not like this. What's the answer? But I think for me, I, I suppose I'm just trying a way of remembering it for myself. I think I'm trying to see it like this, that I want to get into a new routine in my life. And that is to, every six steps, stop and realize that uh, I need God to provide a, a forgiving sacrifice for the way that I get things wrong. I do need to see that probably every six steps as often as that in a day uh, to realize that uh, I do need uh, God to forgive me because I've got it wrong again. But as I realize that God has provided this sacrifice, that Jesus died on the cross, that my wrong won't keep me away from God and that I can be forgiven for that wrong that I've done against him. When I realize every time I mess up every six steps and remember that God has provided a sacrifice for me then my new routine is I want to dance the next six steps because he has provided that sacrifice because as a result of that sacrifice just like the ark was going to stay with David so nothing can separate me from the love of God that's what the Bible promises me. And I will be in his kingdom forever. I've been given that kingdom. And that is going to be mine forever. And I need to be uh, amazed at that. So there is something I can then do with all my might. And that is to dance the next six steps, as it were, before the Lord. At least to be grateful to him in a new way, in a big way, in an all my might kind of way as I go into the future and make progress in my Christian life. I should be doing that with steps of uh, gratitude. But at the same time, to be delightfully generous as well because I want other people to be joyful. I don't want my little happiness pill to keep me spaced out as a Christian in my own little happy-making world. I want my joy to be everyone else's joy, the way that David did. This is a gospel that will bring joy to every single person on our estate. And we need to be aware of that. We need to make sure that they feel it too. And I read on... Uh, 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 Facebook today, I'm afraid I've, I've lost it. Uh, I thought I might have it, but um, um, I, I might just find it and tell you later. But uh, a, a little quote that went something like this, that everyone this side of heaven should be wanting to bring joy to everyone that side of hell. And I think that that is really... Uh, the ambition of the Christian life for our joy not even just to flood out of ourselves to our local Christian family and friends but that we want the joy in us to actually spread out to absolutely everybody on this estate so they might be dancing in a new way otherwise they're going to be consigned to a life of grumbling dignified maybe but joyless and we need to be those 
who are sufficiently loving to other people to want that joy for them. But I'm going to pray that God will help us to do that, and then we'll take the questions. Uh, and before I do, maybe what I should do is to give us all a chance to talk to God quietly. I won't say anything. Keep it quiet, and you talk to God and say what you like, and then we'll take questions after that. Let's have a quiet time of prayer, prayer first. let me pray. Father, it's been a, a cloudy day today without uh, too much sun, but that's just the weather. We might be very conscious that there are other clouds over our lives which make us worry and have taken away our joy. And hearing of dancing with gratitude can sound a bit unreal might even sound a bit like escapism. But please work this truth about your goodness so deeply into our hearts tonight that we see that dancing of joy is realism. Because there are bigger reasons to be joyful to you than the reasons to keep us grumbling. Because nothing separates us from your love because the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross and because you have given us a kingdom even though we are not fit to be part of it. So keep us in humble, grateful praise and keep us doing that with all our might, with new energy, with a deeper desire, with a greater passion in this coming week because we've heard your word in the Bible tonight. And we pray for your help to do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Friends, we've had a couple of distractions. Um, so it may be that you might have lost the thread a couple of times. So it's a good chance for us to uh, find out uh, how we can be... Uh, helping each other get a clearer view of what we've learnt tonight. I'll stop the tape and then we'll take questions. <clears throat> 